Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. All right, y'all, welcome back inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup, Episode 2. Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye, back for a second. People want us back, Josh. Apparently, they liked what they heard in Episode 1, in which we talked about how successful or how somebody becomes successful if they incorporate health and wellness into their life. And I actually got a lot of heat on this one, to be honest with you. People disagreed with my stance. I think they agreed more with your Warren Buffett stance and your 2017 Taco Bell stance than me actually saying you need to work out to make money. But I think people enjoyed what they heard. And here we are back for episode two, trying to put our best foot forward to knock it out of the park a second time. Yeah, it was interesting because I think I thought the conversation was going to go the opposite direction. We're like my following uh, more business professionals, mm-hmm. you know, especially on LinkedIn and things like that. I thought they would be more geared towards kind of with my side. Yeah, it actually I was getting more heat from, you know, I can't believe that you don't believe that it's more, uh, you know, correlated to success and wherever where I think I definitely did believe it was correlated. But maybe, um, you know, by them listening, they thought maybe I, I didn't make a strong enough point. But I think it was interesting that our audiences took the counterpoints to what we thought they were yeah. going to be. So, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens with this episode. Maybe they'll uh, <laughs> maybe they'll be in the same or maybe they'll agree with this. I'm not sure. Well, you're absolutely right. Like the 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 LinkedIn crowd, you would have thought would have been like, you know what? Hard work breeds success, not necessarily nutrition and fitness. And the fitness community would have been the ones to say, yes, fitness and health breed success. But it was the opposite. The people in the fitness community said, no, you don't need to work out to be successful. I was like, what do you mean? You work out <laughs> daily. How can you say that? Uh, but it was good. I think this is the type of stuff that Josh and I want to bring to the show each week. We're not going to agree on everything. And I think today's topic, when we dive into the, the crazy world uh, the booming world of energy drinks, not just within fitness, but within gaming or esports, is what they want to call it. Now, to the just the everyday consumer, even going into a C store purchasing it, dude. This energy drink, a lot of people will say it's getting out of hand. Caffeine is like through the roof. We're dependent on caffeine as a society, and it seems like every day there's a new brand of energy drink that enters the market. Is this this industry, the energy drink industry, is it oversaturated in your opinion? I don't think. I mean, if you look at a, a more mature energy category like coffee, um, you know, mm. it, you don't have anywhere close to the brands uh, there. So it's you still have a lot of room. I think that energy drinks are not all that kind of of an old category. It's very new. I think sure. it's ninety nine. I think or. Somewhere around that was when Red Bull uh, came to the United States. I mean, it had been around before that, but in the United States, there really wasn't an idea of like energy drinks before uh, the late 90s. So, right. uh, and it might have been 97, somewhere around there. But basically, you know, you this is still a very new category. You're still at 20 plus years uh, only in the category. And it had a party kind of connotation before. I think that. Uh, now people are starting to realize this is a legitimate product to take uh, to get through your day or, or just whatever it is. I mean, it's no longer, you know, the the frat guys or the party people in the club that started the revolution, this energy drink revolution with with uh, Red Bull. Now it's kind of broadly accepted. It's across all different kind of buyer groups and, and just personalities. You see them in boardrooms. You see them, mm-hmm. um, you know, with younger kids, gamers, you see them at, you know, when you're at the gym, you see them sitting next to the bench and stuff like that, which is just kind of 
shows that the the category is just getting to the point where it's just accepted by just everybody, which is where you know these categories want to get to. When you mm -hmm. get up to a you know just like a water or a uh, juice or one of those coffee, you know those large categories, uh, you you just have an immense amount of spending power that goes towards those categories. So though we might think there's a lot of brands getting in there and, and there is, I mean, I think just in general, a lot of brands are in every category, mm. but the category is growing so fast that consumers are looking for more, you know, options. They're looking for new things. They're looking to uh, get something that is specifically for them, you know, fragmenting the category. And that's what you're seeing with some of these, um, you know, kind of subcategories, the performance subcategory, which mm -hmm. can be kind of broken into the two kind of things we're talking about here, gaming, esports, or fitness. Yeah. And, and this is kind of new. I mean, this is, this is a sub subcategory. That's the fastest growing category in energy right now. It's the, um, it's where, uh, bang energy is at. And that's where tons of, of growth is at. I mean, uh, you know, it's astronomical, the growth that's happening at bang, uh, but it's creating a lot of offshoots as well that also fitting the needs of, of these things. So, I mean, I think everybody just always, you know, uh, the two things in business, you might agree with me, like, you know, oh, this is super saturated or, you know, I wish people were more innovative. Like those are two words that I hear all yeah. the time. It's like innovative or saturated. It's like, I don't know if it's just that they just keep regurgitating those words because maybe they hear them from somebody or right. or they actually know what they mean. But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Well, the term of innovation within the category, I think you hit on it, is like you don't necessarily have to go after the same target consumer that the other big energy drink companies are going after. Red Bull, Monster, Rockstar, and now Bang, obviously the fastest growing energy drink company on the face of the earth. But you mentioned esports. Like that would be an innovative way to join the category by going after that type of consumer. And I know you have a... a um, an idea or thought process on esports or gaming because if you think about gaming in general, like the first ever energy drink that really targeted gamers was Mountain Dew. I mean, Mountain Dew, like the canned beverage, the 12 ounce soda pop, it started branded in BMX bike games. Like you could see the walls had Mountain Dew logos. And kids, I remember being a 12 year old kid, I would drink a, a, a freaking case of Mountain Dew while playing games. I mean, that's what I did to stay awake. Somebody saw an opportunity there. Like, who is. Who is the gaming supplement energy drink right now in 2019? I mean, I, th I still think you have Red Bull. That's probably because they have a lot of the uh, of the very large um, gamers and, and they do a lot of the sponsoring and things. Um, but you you do have other names that are that are involved. You have Monster that's really involved. You have, you know, a G Fuel, which is kind of close to to our our niche with the started as a sports nutrition brand, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're very big into, um, esports, which is a little bit because right now they only have a powdered, right. Um, which surprises know, me, which actually which surprises is, yeah. me that they've never transitioned into the RTD category. Yeah. And they are, I think, I think in June they're supposed to launch their, uh, G fuel ready to drink. So they're, they got a lot of, like a lot of kind of excitement around there. They have the, the biggest, uh, YouTuber, um, a part of their brand, I mean, PewDiePie, yeah. which, um, you know, he has an immense amount of power globally. Um, I don't know how much they leverage of that, but they have that, you know, ability to pull, I don't know how many tens of millions of subscribers he has on YouTube and, and things like that. But, you know, there's a lot of kind of esports energy drink brands that do have 
you know, a little bit. It's a lot of the bigger names. I think it's a little, a lot of the bigger names over a lot of the uh, smaller uh, energy brands that you're going to see in like the fitness world. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's because it's still kind of very new. Esports is still new, even though if you look at a lot of like the global stats, uh, the trend is immense. It's 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 crazy the amount of just growth that's happened in, and I think it's important. Maybe people don't understand like esports. Like esports is kind of the competitive side of gaming. Now, gaming is yeah. a very much bigger world. That is, uh, just you know, just kind of weekend warriors or, or me or you that pick up, uh, you know, an Xbox or something and play uh, or play Fortnite casually, things like that. That would be what we we consider gamers. We're not esports people, no. but esports is kind of that you know, that, that competitive side of it where you're going to see a lot of like the team sponsorships. you see a lot of like really big sponsorships with, uh, you know, the NBA has the NBA, um, 2k sports league. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of like the sports owners that own esports teams. You just have a lot of, um, focus towards that. Cause I think a lot of people uh, are seeing some of the trends move towards sports in that direction. But yeah, the energy drink market, I, I still think you have a lot of the major players that are getting involved just because they have the money to spend on some of these bleeding edge areas. And even if they know they're not maybe going to make a return on it in the next couple of years, it's OK because they're getting in earlier. Um, they don't have to worry about you know trying to turn a profit on those uh, types of sponsorships. It's kind of you know riding it while it's in its hyper growth phase. Right. And I think it's on the flip side of that when we talk fitness, you mentioned there's a lot more of these small sort of startup brands hopping in there or there are sports nutrition brands that are now deciding to get into the RTD business, whether it be contract manufacturing or in the case of Rays, as I have it here, like they bought the they bought the manufacturing facility. They bought the stuff to make it on site because that's how much that they were bank. Literally, a, a rep from Rep Sports told me that if Rays did not work, they were going out of business. Like the company was going to go out of business because they spent so much money on it. What gets me about the energy drink market on the fitness side is it's not really a fitness-based product, but it's sold that way. And this is what you think of Bang. Bang's a prime example. Bang came from VPX, VPX, sports nutrition company. They came out with Bang, barely any VPX branding at all. I think maybe when it came out, there might have been a small VPX logo. I can't remember. But like they, they targeted fitness addicts. They targeted, they went to fitness expos. That's how they started. Now, if you go into a restaurant at a nice restaurant, you can get Bang on tap. Like Bang is a syrup now. On tap, along with Mountain Dew, it's distributed, I believe, by Pepsi Company, along with Mountain Dew and Pepsi, um, or maybe it's Coke. You probably know better than I do. But they took the fitness approach to attract a fitness clientele, a good-looking, attractive clientele that then the outside world saw and said, "That looks cool. I want to be part of that." They liked the loud music, the EDM stuff, the party atmosphere, in which Red Bull made popular with their going in the clubs doing vodka Red Bulls. To now, Bang's the fastest-growing energy drink company on the planet they're a what you want to almost call a lifestyle brand it's cool to drink a bang like it's a cool thing to, to walk around with a can of bang in your hand now but in terms of like a legit pre-workout it's not a legitimate pre-workout it's 300 milligrams of caffeine and a bunch of other crap and that's the same with a lot of energy drinks out there and what always gets me josh about the fitness world is if we're true about fitness and we put health as our number one priority at what point in our heads do we think that bang or an energy drink is the right thing to consume two, three, four of these things a day, putting money in the pockets of these companies that's essentially taking advantage of the consumer via the marketing, which is genius marketing, by the way. Like, Bang's marketing is unbelievably genius. 
but it's not fitness centric. It's not a fitness centric drink other than 300 milligrams of caffeine, which can stimulate the central nervous system, make you more mentally alert, whatever it might be. But we just allow the company to keep doing it to us in the fitness world, and we keep buying it. And I don't get it. I'm confused why we still do that. You know, I think it comes down to some of the behaviors of, you know, people at the. Everybody's moving towards this convenience, on the go consumption type of environment. And if you are looking for one of those products in a pre-workout or something similar to a pre-workout, um, there's not a lot of readily available options that are out there. There, it's, it's one of those categories that has always been tough to make money at because you need scale. So uh, they're kind of disguising these more kind of potent energy drinks to the general consumer, which they also pick up. They help the scale. They help them get into uh, grocery stores or mass retailers or, or whatever. That helps the scale a little bit. And then uh, they could still pitch it to fitness goers or, you know, if they just pitched it to fitness goers, that's where you kind of get this graveyard of brands where um, they just never are able to pick up enough esteem uh, from a scale distribution perspective, whatever, to get the price down to a point where it makes sense. You could, you could sell a lot more canned powdered pre-workout to make a lot more money. There's a lot more margin right. in that. Um, so until you get up to scale and you're, you're moving truckloads to different distributors or, or different direct accounts, you're not really making all that much money on beverages because there's just so many layers of logistical costs and extra sales people you need to have um, to do direct uh, doors type sales and, and things like that. So there's just so many kind of layers that go in there. But it's, yeah, it's interesting because they're, you know, they are throwing it in there as calling it kind of a performance energy drink. There's, you know, there's a few nutraceutical ingredients in there or botanicals or whatever you're kind of throwing in there to uh, make it seem like it's a fitness product. Right. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been a long time kind of like critic in the sense that like when I work out and I don't know if you're the same, Ryan, but like I can't drink a carbonated energy drink no. and then go work out hard. Like I'll throw up. Yeah. Like I just can't do it. So I don't, I, I just have never done it because when I have tried it or even tried to like drink a little bit of it, like I just feel kind of queasy in mm -hmm. my workout. So I don't know if like serious workout people or, and I don't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not a serious person. Maybe I just have a weak stomach, but like, I just, it's never been appealing to me. I've never thought of that as a, as a fitness product. I just think of it as a stronger energy drink. You're right. I, I mean, it's not cool. I'm t I'll go on record and say it's not cool to take a bang into the gym and use that as your pre-workout and sit next to the bench and rep out reps. Like, it's not cool. And the reason I say that is because this is the same consumer, Josh, that'll complain about $2 a serving on a legit fully dosed pre-workout, but they'll spend $2.50 on a can of an RTD. I don't get it. Like, that part I don't get. But it's I get the, the appeal. Like, I drink energy drinks. I drink one a day maybe. I do it not as a pre-workout. I do it as a pick-me-up because – I get tired at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I need the, 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 the jolt of caffeine. I need the jolt of, of mental alertness. But I'm also smart enough to realize like it's not a fitness-based product. I don't drink it because of that. But many consumers do. Like You see people tout on Twitter, tout on Instagram all the time, like, pound my bang, then head into the gym and do chest today. That's, I mean, that is the client. That's what Jack has been able to yeah. do with bang. And make. that's how he started. That's how he made to, he ended up being in almost every gym, got in the vitamin shops, got in the GNCs. Now he's lining the store shelves of Walmart, like the largest retailer, brick-and-mortar retailer in America, by 
by coming at the fitness world first. So like the influence of the fitness world on his entire business model has been super genius on his part. But from a fitness-centric-minded individual like myself, it's hard to grasp that and understand it because, like, I know, looking at a can of Bang, like, that is not – it's not healthy. Like, it's not not the yeah. thing that I should be drinking to improve my overall health. Now, I don't want to be that asshole that says, like, Bang's going to kill you because it's not. You can have one to two of these things a day in moderation. It's fine, right? But people who rely on this, like, three, four a day – and this is what concerns me about gamers or esports is because they tend to not necessarily – educate themselves as much as the fitness community. And even though the fitness community does not educate themselves nearly enough, but if they're sitting there playing games for six, eight, 12 hours a day, because that's what they do. And they're consuming four five, six of these in a day at 300 milligrams of caffeine is something drastically bad going to happen to one of these people in which now the energy drink community or the, the energy drink brands get some backlash. Now, with that said, the, the energy drinks that are targeted at gamers, your Red Bull, your Monsters, even the Mountain Dew gamer, I think they brought back like a nostalgia gaming uh, gaming RTD that they just came back out with. I don't know if they're if they're at 300 milligrams of caffeine um, each or not, so they might be more susceptible to a couple more cans a day. But like, what happens when the first person is injured due to way too much caffeine intake? Um, you know, where they they because we've heard of it happening before. Like, does that does that backlash blow on the entire industry or just that particular brand? Yeah, I mean, the, the gaming community, I mean, I think it's definitely, there's that's a risk. I mean, I think that's a risk in, in all energy drinks, and that's why energy drinks have maybe not grown as fast as they could even have. Um, there's just a lot of bad publicity or people pointing towards energy drinks as being bad. A lot of countries outside of the U.S. are not all that keen on energy drinks. They have a lot of just big labels, uh, warning labels they want to put on there. They also put caffeine restrictions per ounce. There's, I think it's in so certain countries, you, have, you can only do 10 milligrams per ounce. So uh, there's restrictions, even a bang, like when they go into Europe, uh, they have to do uh, that as well. So it's not as strong over in Europe. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have Red Bull at 80-ish milligrams. You have Monster in those at, I think, 150. Um, so you can probably consume maybe three or four, right. uh, that's still pushing it. But I mean, it's, you can get up to that level and you are not really, um, you know, getting too far outside of maybe the FDA's, uh, kind of restrictions on, on caffeine. And I, and I don't know if you should even believe those or not, but I mean, they, they, they're there for, for reasons, um, be it for public health or, or whatever reason, but they're there for a reason. So, um, you use that as a bound uh, and you kind of, you know, take it for what it's worth. But the, yeah, I mean, the gaming community, um, because part of it, I think what takes uh, an esports person to be great uh, is a lot around reaction time, a lot around um, also stamina, uh, things like that. So, I mean, they need those products or some product that's similar to that to enhance their ability that one, two, three, ten percent. Um, it's all, it's a supplement like anything else. I mean, you're definitely not, there's natural talent that you're never going to, uh, you know, kind of overcome, but there's a supplement that's going to help you a little bit. Same with fitness. You know, you're, right. you might get 5% or something out of, out of something, but you're never going to become, uh, the next Arnold Schwarzenegger cause you take, uh, you take a supplement. So it's, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the gaming world to me, it just seems like. Though we maybe don't follow it and our communities maybe are not all that involved with it, you 
for me, I mean, for energy, if I was an energy drink brand owner, if I was starting an energy drink brand, I would probably go towards esports over oh, yeah. fitness because one, esports is, is that movement is global. So, I mean, I think you look at like gamers and, and just kind of that in general, I think it's like 50% is in Asia. So it's like one of the kind of the fastest growing areas in terms of middle class, young consumers. I mean, they have a very young age. So you have, a, you're going to get them in your wheelhouse of an energy drink right there. Um, also just not thinking about like demographics or geography or anything like that. If you're just looking at, um, you're just looking at like esports or gamers in general. Like there's some, there's been a few stats that have been kind of put out there about how loyal they are to other um, companies, brands that support esports or gaming uh, things. So they tend to spend a lot of their money towards supporting their own community. Mm -hmm. So if you are one of those people that support the community, you have you know potentially billions of of consumers that are more willing to buy your product because you support the community, which sure. is, I don't know if that necessarily translates the same way to fitness. I don't think people think that way. They don't, they don't think, Oh, they're supporting the fitness community. So I have to buy this fit. Like, would you, would you pick up a monster, uh, or pick up a C4 only because you're a more fitness, you pick up C4 carbonated. Is that why? I don't know if people do that. Right. Like if they saw it in a grocery store or a gas station, would they do that? So I don't think you have that community in fitness that's like that, that's kind of more supportive because mm -hmm. maybe it's because fitness was always, at least in our generation, has, has been more uh, acceptable. It's been a part of the, you know, kind of common uh, ways. Like they, you know, they teach it to recess in school. I don't know if they, if they still have recess in school, but they, they, they did sure. when we were when yeah. we were kids. But, uh, you know, f physical fitness and all that was always a part of our lives. Where gaming, when we were kids, I mean, our parents told us to stop playing games because it was going to ruin our eyes or it was going to, um, you know, rot our brains or, or something like that. So it's it came from a place where it was bad. So when other brands or legitimate brands support something that was once bad, uh, I think those people that it's kind of a bigger, stronger community uh, of things, which is different than fitness. So, I mean, to me, if I'm starting an energy drink brand, I I'm going towards esports. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't What do you think, Ryan? I think you're absolutely right. And even if you look at our, our space, the dietary supplement industry, the, let's just talk about putters and caps. Like I just covered this today. The genius brand is a brand that makes all natural supplements. It's a brand that you would find going through like a UNFI distributor getting into a Whole Foods or a Sprouts. Like that's the type of products that they make. They're releasing a gaming supplement this month. It's called Genius Gamer. Now, that, to me, that surprises the shit out of me. That brand, that brand does not seem to align with the gaming community per se on, on the surface. Like a, a brand like Ghost or Man Sports who does like uh, Brainbridge. Like those brands seem like, yes, they could get into the gaming industry. Now, I know I'm, I'm getting off tracks from the RTD stuff, but... That's, that's where they see the appeal. They see the appeal in the esports, the gaming side. That's where the money's at. So if you're going to come out with a, a, an RTD or an energy drink, that area to me seems virtually still almost untouched in terms of like full-on marketing. Now, that could be because I'm not entrenched in that community. Like I'm not on Twitch. I'm not playing games like I used to. So they could be blasting with advertising and with lifestyle brands like they are in fitness. Like I'm blasted with Raise and Bang Energy, Cellucore C4 all the time, but that's the world I live in. So... But I think it depends, too. I, I don't necessarily know. I think when you look at an RTD, like the first thing that consumers look for is like 
brand appeal. That's the first thing. Like, is it a cool brand? Bang is a cool brand. Second is flavor, or maybe flavor is probably one. Like, if it tastes good, that's what they're going to buy it based on. Formula is the the least important thing in terms of this. So you have many of these brands in at least the fitness world coming out with actual good formulas. Like C4 Carbonated is an actually decent energy drink when it when you're talking about fitness. Like there's actually dosages of stuff in there, or even Redcon One Total War. Not, not it's not a carbonated beverage, but it's a fully dosed actual RTD pre workout. Does not sell nearly as much as Bang, and it, it never will, because Bang tastes great. It's cool, and that's what people want to be a part of. So I wonder in the gaming world. If you can come out with an RTD that has like Loot Max in it, which is a blue blue light blocking ingredient, you're staring at a screen all day playing games. If you can reduce eye fatigue and increase stamina by incre- by including some unique ingredients, is that important to them? I would go on record and say probably not. They probably don't care either. They probably just want the energy. They want something that tastes good that's going to keep them awake and keep them mentally alert. But I think I think there's a huge opportunity there uh, for for brands to if they're going to get into this market and invest that kind of money. The fitness world is very tough. It's very tough to get in the gyms. It's very tough to get in the distribution. Same with the gaming world, but I think there's probably a better opportunity with esports in terms of making money today than there is on the fitness side. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you brought up formula, and I think outside of caffeine content, I, I don't know if people are really looking anywhere past that because I don't, I don't think they have any understanding, even of of amino acids or anything like right. that. I, I mean, it's it's not common. So, you know, when you're talking about uh, you know, building a better mousetrap or, or building a better product, um, it, it's, it gets down to the point of you're having to educate a consumer group mm-hmm. that is, maybe is not all that interested. So uh, though you can add those things in there that will help a reorder, like if somebody likes it, they it's not going to be one of those marketing things that you can point to because a lot of them are not going to be ready to do it. Right. It's not going to be one of those like key purchase criteria that people are going to be like, oh, it has this in there. I'm going to definitely pick it up. It's not... It's not the case. I think that there's the caffeine level, there's the taste, like you said, there's the the brand, um, you know, lifestyle element to it. Like, do I feel cool when I'm buying this? Do I feel like it, uh, you know, en- enhances my life? Whatever, uh, you know, kind of thing that a consumer wants to look at to why they purchase a product. But and taste um, and taste is like right. Yeah. If it doesn't taste good, they're not going to buy it. Yeah, and um, we haven't really talked about this point. Maybe I brought up PewDiePie in terms of uh, when we were talking about uh, G Fuel, but there's two two of kind of the biggest uh, influencer, social influencers uh, groups are gamers and fitness. Um, now, you can also add beauty and, and sure. a few other ones, but those are two of kind of the Mount Rushmore of, of um, you know influencers. So like who has more, who do you think has maybe more has more power to it? I mean, based on what I know, what I found out recently about some Twitch statistics and earning incomes from some of these gamers, I think the gamers probably have some more pull than the fitness community. Yeah, and I think you brought this point up, and I think it's it's probably interesting to to touch on it one more time. Is that like the real big fitness goers? um, They're not really they're not really sponsored by energy drink brands. You have Mm -hmm. like Bang that does a ton of influencer market but it's all on like you know sexy women yes it's very not those are not you know fitness uh you know people that i mean they're in shape they're you know they look great but they're not somebody that is a fitness icon you you have fitness especially younger fitness influencers that do drink energy drinks but they're just not like they're not showcasing it to the level of like a gamer where they're just it's constantly a part of their life like that's just product placement all the time twitch or 
they are spot their team sponsored by uh, you know monster red bull or whatever it is it's it's kind of interesting that your point was reinforced from an influencer level and i don't know if that's just because energy drinks really aren't looking like you know monsters not going out and trying to find influencers but right. yeah, it's, it's a good point. I, I don't know it's a good point you bring up because i think in the fitness realm really i can think of two personalities in fitness who are sponsored by energy drinks off the top of my head flex with with monster protein or monster energy is with with them now um and then uh the the strongest man in the world is with rain the thor from from game of thrones like those are the only two people that i can think off the top of my head who legit have sponsorship contracts with brands where they go stand at their booths or where they represent them but now i'm kind of i I don't want to talk myself in those circles but i feel like these energy drink companies don't align themselves with fitness influencers because they don't need to, right? They don't need to pay somebody within the fitness world to sponsor them because the fitness community just thinks it's cool and they intuitively think it's a better version of a soda or it's a, it's a healthier version of something, which is what us in the fitness world look for. We constantly look for healthier alternatives to mainstream products. So we want organic or I mean, that's a bad example, but like, you know, we don't want to drink a Mountain Dew. We don't want to drink Coke and we've heard diet's bad for you. So Let's do this energy drink. It has some performance enhancing in it, so it's a better version. When in reality, it's not necessarily true, but that's, that's brands can get away with it and not have to put people on contract because Bang is not a fitness energy drink. They're a lifestyle energy drink, hence the EDM music, the sexy, cla- the sexy women. But gamers, yeah, I mean, gamers, like, they need some of this stuff to stay awake. Like, they legitimately rely on energy drinks to carry them through their day to be the best. Now, I want to bring up one thing about Formula Josh that I think is interesting. Like, what if on the gaming supplement, if they, a gaming RTD, on the on the actual drink, it says, you know, using X ingredient that is proven to decrease failure rate by whatever, right? So, like, uh, uh, the reason why I bring this up is I spoke with an ingredient brand at the Arnold this year that's coming out with a gaming supplement or gaming ingredient that they commissioned all their studies primarily on gamers in which that this ingredient showed that it decreased their failure rate by, I think it was like a, an astronomical percentage, meaning that they're going to die less in competitive gaming. Like if a gamer saw that, does that entice them then to try it? Because that's a formula-based additive. If somebody's getting paid competitively to do it, I wonder if that's enough to get them to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it could. I mean, I, I think it. there's... In a vacuum, I think it's definitely a yes, but I think if it if it uh, is something like like a tea cream that that screws up the taste of the product sure, or something yeah. like that, where it just ruins the taste, then it starts. There's a higher purchase criteria that would get messed up by that ingredient. So I don't know, you know, obviously what it tastes like when it's in a um, what's in a beverage if it's if it's flavorless or if it has some some gnarly notes to it, but the I I think you you're gonna have that education piece to it because those consumers are are not traditional like sports nutrition buyers where you're used mm. to reading some claims on a bottle and right. either you're a person that you know believes in marketing and you you believe the, those claims or you you know you just it's just writing on the on the bottle but you're used to seeing those where if you've never bought any of those product categories you're not really used to seeing that you're used to seeing call outs about vitamin you know, D content or how much fibers in the, this or, or something. It's not, a, it's not the same claims, I think. Um, so it just probably be a little bit of time that it would take for that to catch on. I don't know if that's going to make a material difference to 
you know, the, the behavior, but sure. I think it with anything, I mean, if the formula has a place, it's definitely important, but some, yeah, if it's going to create some hurdle in a purchase like taste or price point, because mm-hmm. you want to add, you know, a dollar worth of additives of, of things in there because you know, it's going to help them, but it drives the price up to $4 a can. Like Mm-hmm. you're yeah. taking it out of the bounds of what people want to buy an energy drink for. So then all of a sudden you have to be really great to, your expectation is so high at that point that you, if you don't meet that, you're not going to get a reorder where if you could throw it in there and it's not going to make a difference to price, it's not going to taste, take a difference to the taste, then it's great. And you notice a difference. Then you might get a bunch of reorders out of it because you're like, Hey, it was better than my normal energy drink. And it was all within the bounds of plus five, 10% of what I wanted it to be. Uh, I'm going to keep buying this. But I think a lot of times, especially, you know, we're getting into the nutraceutical talk or, or, or fitness talk. A lot of times you get so focused on the science and the studies and the whatever, where common consumers are just it's not at that level. They're just not going to get to that level anytime soon. And you're going to spend a lot of money educating people on that. And they're never going to really ever get to the point where it's going to help you get to that difference, uh, that, you know, is going to make you a winner or a loser. There's going to be some other things that if you master, it's probably going to be a little bit better of an opportunity, but so let's, let's end on this note here. So I think we both agree that if we're going to come out with an RTD, uh, carbonated energy drink tomorrow, you and I both would take the gaming the gaming world in terms of that's where we'd introduce it. That's where you have your best opportunity for success. I feel it's the best opportunity for success because within fitness, fitness has all these puttered dietary supplements that, that make up a, a, ma- a vast majority of the performance enhancing segment and the, uh, the energy drink segment there. It's, it's tough, but in the gaming side, like you have G fuel, you have maybe one or two puttered supplements that are, that are super popular. You go to Amazon, you probably find 200 more, but in terms of RTD drinks, not a ton. So, Josh, if you're consulting with a company that wants to get into that space, they want to come out with an energy drink for the gaming supple- or for the gamer, for the, the esports athlete, how do they win? I mean, I think initially I would definitely caution them on like patience, like how long term do they think on this? Because though the overall esports category or just gaming category is growing and it's, you know, everything is, seems to be pointing towards a really great successful outcome. Um, the people that are buying uh, products for performance or try to increase their performance is a, a smaller percentage of, of those, that those big statistics. So you have to be either capitalized correctly to handle losses over time to make sure that you're, you're spending to, to create brand awareness and all that, or, you need to just be patient in that product category to mature or the buyer behavior to mature. So I would go, I mean, if you're going to do gaming and you're going to be into gaming, like you go all in on gaming. I, I don't think this is a category, a buyer group that you can kind of tiptoe into. I think you go all in. The only ones that could tiptoe in are these big, massive sure. brands that they overspend to get that authenticity within the the category you got to be authentic to the to the start so you're going to have to be all in you're going to have to really be focused on the gaming community what you can do to enhance the gaming community i think the closer you are to that community the better off you're going to be long term so to me i think the winners and losers are, are going to really be dictated a lot around time but i think it's creating a product that's very much targeted to them very much um, meets the criteria that they're looking for is that, you know, I think it's really great taste. I think it's going to be a 
a pretty smooth energy drink, um, not a 300 milligram kind of crazy uh, type of a product because they're going to want to have a couple of these things. Um, and I think it's just going to be one of those things where um, you're going to have to attach yourself to probably influencers. You're going to have to use you're going to have to use digital in a way that beverage usually doesn't. You're going to have to really lean on uh, on all the things that are happening with Twitch and, and YouTube with their gamers and, and, and just all the things that are happening and really take a different approach than trying to get into food drug mass convenience where every other energy drink uh, people w I would I would point them to. Um, so it's going to come down to a lot of things. But I think that, uh, you know, when you are talking about initially we're both leaning towards this you know before you even asked me that question i was already going to kind of pump both of our brakes and say hey make sure whoever's listening to this if they are a brand owner or they're interested in starting a brand about esports like it you need to be patient yeah you need to be this is this is not a quick fix uh this isn't going to be something get rich quick type of a, a thing this is going to be something you have to be authentically into for a while mm -hmm. and be a part of the community and and if you're aligned correctly and you can kind of hit on the right purchase criteria, I mean, I, I don't see why like a G Fuel, uh, you know, it can't be super successful um, pretty quick, you know, tens of millions of dollars uh, in the first couple of years, which is a win for them on the size of their business. I mean, that would be small comparable to Rock Rockstar or Monster or Red Bull or even Bang at this point. But that's a win for brands that are only doing, you know, $50 million or, or something right now. Yeah, 100% agree, and I think you hit the hit the mark with the influencer. I think it's almost a necessity if you're getting into that space to get with align yourself with a top tier influencer in the space. And in episode three of Two Guys One Shaker Cup, we're going to talk about basically having a face on a brand and whether or not it's a requirement for brands to be successful. That'll come up uh, next week here on the podcast. This I love this one. This was good. I think energy drink market's going to keep growing. It's going to, and I'd love. I'm I'm excited to see what happens in the esports realm, not just in energy drinks but just in supplements in, in in general and like how many brands attack that as we move forward in 2019 2020 because us being embedded in the space like we know what's kind of going on and we, we have brands tell us what they're working on i'll tell you this there are a lot of brands working on supplements geared towards gamers that we're going to see coming out very very soon so we appreciate everybody tuning in this week as always make sure you check us out on our social platforms two guys one shaker cup is on Facebook. Um, you can check out our podcast on iTunes, Spotify. It's over at Podbean, any multiple platform for podcasts. And we have the actual video footage so you can look at us two good-looking gentlemen on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, any parting words, Josh, for the uh, the Shaker Cup listening audience? <laughs> no, I mean, I you know, I think since we're still new at this, I think both of us are really receptive uh, feedback. Also, yeah. just engagement, whatever. If, if people... People that are listening, that are spending time with with us, and appreciate what we're putting out there. If you have something that you'd like to see, or or something, you know, even format wise that you'd like us to change, we'd love to hear it. I think that uh, sure. you know we're still new in this, so hopefully we could create something that you guys really enjoy and get a lot of value out of. Absolutely, and the answer to everybody's question on their mind is both Josh and I do not wear pants when we record this. So when you watch us on YouTube. We're definitely pantsless. So until next week, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks a lot for the support.